Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. You were closer to this one when you were trying to guess the lady with the ring than okay. the lady with the ring. This is the one with all the bread. Yeah, so... <laughs> ah! <laughs> Mystery on the rocks, oh yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. Mystery on the rocks, yeah. But I, I don't know how we can start, unless I get Masood to record a separate intro tomorrow and then say that he's not in it. Yeah, yeah. So it, you, we can start it like it's a normal episode or we can just assume Masood has already done that and jump straight in. Sorry, I've just got a voice note. Oh, that's completely unimportant. I thought, oh God, that's very important for my brother and it wasn't. Uh, it's just him trying to get his oh. niece to go, say tennis. Saying get my niece to go tennis. What we, um, uh, what right. we, should, what we should do then is um, discuss this farm you went to today. Yeah, okay. Yeah, start the episode and I'll tell you about my day. Okay. <laughs> Um, what does what does Masood normally do? He goes and uh, uh, welcome, welcome to another to episode of Mystery Rocks, the show that takes true unsolved mysteries and cocktails and puts them together. And then he does something a little bit cute, like for you, yeah, it's for you, so, and smashes them together in a bowl like like a murder victim's guts, and smears them uh, on your face and treats you to them. I think we've worked out why Masood does the intro, but um. Uh, bullshit I'm Chris and with me as always is Chris and uh, the fantastic Suze Kempner oh no we've fucked up completely haven't we yeah yeah (laughs) it's me Suze so tell me off of um, Mystery on the Rocks so tell me about this farm you went to Suze yeah, so uh, I promised to Chris that I would uh, bring I would bring up my exciting day. Went with my brother, sister-in-law, and my little niece, who is uh, nearly two. She's gonna be two in about three or four months. Um, to Old McDonald's Farm in Brentwood in Essex, about an hour from me. Drove up. Uh, I thought I actually do I, right because I, I live really near Godston Farm. I don't know if you've ever heard of Godston Farm, but no. <laughs> it's it's a real farm, and you could see. They, I I remember going there on several school trips. It had a nature trail. Um, you could see little baby cows, uh, lambs, and it was like the kids would go around and see farm animals and look at, and the farmer would be like, "Look over there, there's a field," and you'd be like, "Oh." Um, so I thought it was going to be like that. I didn't fucking realise it was going to be like, it's all rides and that and animals. So, but, right, Chris, get this. I arrived 10.30 in the fucking morning. I was knackered. um, And the car park was virtually overflowing. And I was driving around. These fucking parents, man, they all drive massive cars. And they were, 
like stopping their cars in the middle of the like aisles of the car park to get unload all their kid and giant 400 quid buggies and everything and then the dad would go and park I was like this is doing my nut and I was like saying you cunt in my car to people fucking cunt no, that they were doing that that's fine but I wasn't like shouting it out the window I was you know because I was taught manners um so that was happening and then finally I got a space but that took a good 15 minutes and then my brother was like we're we're at the Peppa Pig show it starts at 11, so I had 10 minutes to make that. So I, I got there, I went to the entrance, expecting to pay to get in. Did not expect to pay £19.50, Chris. <gasps> wow, well. <laughs> £19.50 <clears throat> for one adult, right? So adults are £19.50 to get in. Under twos go free. So my niece went free. Is that why they I were, is that why they were going to go before she turns two in the next few weeks? Pretty much, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Because uh, on the way out, I said to my brother, like, after two, they, you have to pay. And my brother went, we won't be coming back. Um, anyway. As if so, they're going to ID I mean, like, I reckon, like, there's leeway a couple of months. She's pretty like. big, though. Oh. She's 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 not a Kempner. They, she's she's a um, really tall kid. Because um, my brother's wife is, like, I think 5'8 or something. Anyway. Well, your, your brother's um, quite, your brother's not short, is he? Yeah, my bro- the 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 men on that side of the family are all sort of an an inch or two either side of uh, six foot. It's just the women on my side of the family <laughs> that are like pathetic cannot reach top shelf. Um, so that's how much it is. How much do you think it is for a two to sixteen year old to get in? Okay, so I'm going ninety fifty for an adult, three for an for under adult, two. two to sixteen. Now I'm gonna guess. At 11.50. 20 pounds. What? 20? Yes. So why is it more mm-hmm. expensive than the adults? I would love to know that. I cannot fucking believe it. When I saw that, I stomped around announcing it. To, to nobody in, in particular, because you hadn't met your brother well, at Peppa Pig yet. No, no. It was after, <laughs> It was actually later that I found out the price for a kid, because I said, how much was it to get her in? I can't believe this was 90.50. Anyway, right, I had to follow this fucking map they gave me to get to the Peppa Pig show, which I assumed was going to be in like a big top or something, like, like a Spiegel tent at Edinburgh. So I was like following the map. I was like, this is bullshit. But I, I was looking and I was like, oh, there's the rabbit tree. I'm in front of it. Um... So I was like, okay. And then I'm like following the, I can't, I have got no sense of direction. So I had to follow a map and find, and then it, but it was an outdoor stage. So I was like, oh good, at least I won't have to like go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me to people before this show starts, before the lights go down. But it was outdoor, just sitting on bales of hay. This poor woman comes out with a head mic going, hi everybody. No response, because all the parents are fucking hungover. In fact, I turned to my sister-in-law and said like, imagine coming to this place with a hangover. And she went, I have. <laughs> <laughs> so this poor poor girl comes out and I had my, hi everybody, are you all excited to meet Peppa Pig? No response. And me and my brother had given it everything. We were like, woo, yeah. I, in fact, I think I made it a bit weird. I was like, yeah. Um, I know what it's like to do these Well, you've got to get your money's shows. worth, haven't you? And then she went, exactly. And she went, well, shall we bring out Pepper? Shall we bring out Pepper? No response. She went, I think we can do a bit better than that. And what she got back was just like me and my brother going, yeah, Pepper. Um, so she brought out someone in, you know, one of those, um, what do they call it? You know, like a Disney suit. They call it, they call them, it's skin work when you do that. Is it? 
when you wear those big things with giant sounds... heads. Yeah, I've done it. So she brings out a Peppa Pig. I expected a massive response then from the kids, but there weren't any, so I proper clapped and cheered. And then she brought out Peppa's brother, George. And then what happened was these two people in these suits had to just stand there while this woman read from a Peppa Pig storybook. And there was no atmosphere because it was outdoors, probably like 50 or 60 parents and kids. Oh. And people were just like, mm. and the kids were wandering around. And I just felt sorry for this girl. I think what she was doing would have been absolutely fine in an enclosed space with a few less people. But because yeah. it was outdoors, it's like doing comedy outdoors. <laughs> and, um, I, and I was going like, I don't think Pepper and George are adding much to this, to be honest, guys. It's just two people in pig suits like... <laughs> Just stood there while this woman read a storybook that you could just buy. And then my brother went, ah, oh, let's go. And I felt really bad. Anyway, we then went on some rides. And by rides, I mean like a carousel that you'd find at a fairground. Um, going down some slides. Uh, you know, they, they're rides for little kids or so whatever. And then we sort of, there's ponies, but they were like way off in the corner in their little field shelter. Just like, yum, yum, we're eating hay. Um some sheep that would just sort of queue up at the fence waiting for food. I just couldn't believe this cost so much. Best bit was there were some ducklings and they were cool. But they had like otters and meerkats. They were either um, hiding or asleep. Really? I saw the meerkats, they were asleep. The otters, nowhere to be seen. I just thought, 1950, I complained about that a lot. Good. Then there was a good bit. Me and my brother... My sister-in-law, my niece, went on a little train that went round the place. You could like it went past the chickens. Oh, they did have those chickens that have fluffy feet. Oh, okay, cool. I like those. I like those quite a lot. Yeah, the little train was all right. Um, and then basically after three hours, obviously, my niece is like, give a shit, and we had to leave. Well, she didn't pay to get in, so... No, exactly, I guess. She had, she had less skin in the game. I mm. um, uh, was obviously in uh, Cornwall uh, last week. And... Yeah, tell me about <clears throat> your holiday, Chris. <laughs> well, it was... Uh, that's the other thing as well. I think that I think some of our... Uh, wouldn't, people wouldn't have... Regular listeners wouldn't have noticed any interruption in our service except for the odd format of the Lady with the Ring episode. Yeah. But it was the Patreons that would have... I hope people enjoyed it because it, I think it was a surprisingly it was fun... Yeah, it actually... Like, once actually, in a while edition. Actually, yeah. The, uh, uh, yeah, on, on Twitter I was, uh, I was called Fact Daddy, which I sort of didn't really... <laughs> I appreciated it as a, as a, as a joke. I didn't <laughs> like it being, like, being referred to as it. That's... But, I like it. That reminded me of uh, about five years ago. I had to go on like two, do two days teaching with uh, a guy called Adam Pershard, who I'm friends with, and um, they, I drove them up, and I'd forgotten my wallet, and I was like, "Oh no, we got to go on the M6, and are you all right to pay for fuel and stuff?" And I'll just put it straight in your account. And he went, "Don't worry, hon. Motorway Daddy's got you." <laughs> <laughs> I think I, it was just sort of like. Uh, just it fact is such a sort of like it's a punch in the face of a word fact daddy yeah that i don't know it sounds like the daddy part is um sarcastic doesn't it Ooh, fact yeah. daddy so i um uh, uh it was the patreons that would have noticed a difference because their early access was 
a couple of days late because we didn't have an episode. Gotcha. And, um, uh, and so, like, it was all... Chris must be really remote to not be able to record. It was literally just Cornwall. But right. th- it was in this sort of, like... Yeah. Where our apartment was was in this valley uh, with a tiny, tiny little beach. They can be a bit of a black spot, can't they? Yeah. Yeah, and right, right. Everything was meant to have... Well, everyone's meant to have Wi-Fi because it's like an apartment. Uh, but as our, our one apartment hadn't been, there was a problem with the connection. It just didn't come through. And so... Right. Uh, and this is why I said I managed to sort the Wi-Fi issue out with crime because eventually what I did was uh, I noticed that for the majority of the week, the apartment next door had been empty. And okay. uh, at, by the end of the week, I was like, well, they're not going to arrive. If anybody's arriving, it's not going to be for the next few days anyway, because we're near the end of the week. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, based on what our key safe code was, worked out the key safe code to the apartment next door, broke in and took their oh. Wi-Fi code. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, this is yeah. the crime of the century. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it felt fucking. I felt like a. I felt like a hacker because, like, I was like, yeah, yeah the ki- the code worked. And then I got in and I crept in. Oh. And the, yeah, it was good. And then all all, all, I, all I took was I took a screenshot of the 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 Wi-Fi password and then snuck back out and nobody knew it was any the wiser. Um, oh. mm. But yeah, no. I, I, the reason I brought that up is because um, Cornwall's great. There's loads of stuff to do. Um, some of it is like very family oriented and we're not, we haven't got kids. Uh, uh, but we went to this yeah. place called the, uh, the Lost Gardens of Heligan, which is, uh, it's got like a, uh, uh, it's got a jungle with like, um, uh, jungle-esque plants and then like a rope bridge to walk across. It's really cool, mm-hmm. but they've also got a farm as well. So that's why I was like, oh, I remember. and do you know how much that cost? uh, 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 an adult to get into. Uh, nineteen fifty. <laughs> it wasn't as much as that. It was seventeen pounds, and I felt ripped off. <laughs> so. Still, I still think that's a lot. Do you know? I think of seventeen pounds as what you'd pay to get into like Alton Towers, and I fucking obviously it's more than that. I haven't been. Yeah. I've never been to Alton Towers, but I used to go to Chessington when I was a teen. I'm going to find out how much it is to get into Alton Towers now, so- because. I'm gonna. Yeah. I know my mind will be blown. So we. Uh, so the, yeah. So there were farm animals, and there was like. Uh, yeah. Lots of. I like that. Lots of stuff for kids, and there was um, these uh, cool, cool gardens, admittedly, and then the jungle. Jungle was the best bit, but uh, it also. That sounds good. It also had a gift shop, which. Um, okay. I. Uh, we're looking around, and they had this, uh, and this might sound. Uh, like a tangent but it actually ties into to to, to this because it had a um loads of booze and there was this spirit that was five five times distilled cider so it was like a cider spirit so it's the strength of like whiskey or vodka or anything like that but made from cider and then i was like oh, i'm gonna get a bottle of that and louise was like don't it's really small and it's 35 pounds and i was like right oh, like it's cool it's really cool and then she joined the queue, which was really long to pay. And I, right. t- I, t- I took the dogs outside. 
and then I was like sulking because I was like really wanted that bottle. <laughs> and then it, it was my birthday yesterday, and she'd got me. She'd gone back and yes, got me happy birthday! So I've got a. Uh, did you? Hey, I sent a gift. Did it come? No. <laughs> oh, that's why I didn't wish you happy birthday because I was oh. like, he'll get his gift though. <laughs> oh, that's uh, really annoyed me that you didn't get your gift. It, well, it might, it might, it might, might come soon. Might be on its it way. Better. Yeah. It better. It's better. Do you know well, what? I'm going to check up on it right fucking now. Um, Do you want to know how many it is to get into Alton Towers? If you pay on the day, sixty-eight pounds. Fuck yourselves. Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah. I wouldn't even you pay that to in stay advance. in the Alton Towers hotel. No, I wouldn't. Even the <clears> chocolate room. Remember they had a chocolate room. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, uh, for sending me a gift. When it, arrives, when it arrives, you're going to be like, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I made I made this cocktail out of it, out of that cider spirit. Uh, ah, I tried it by itself first. What is it? Uh, well, I tried it by itself first, this uh, cider spirit. And it does smell like really strong cider. It doesn't taste like it. It tastes, right. it tastes it does not... It's got the, the hit of a whiskey, but a bit apple It's... It's quite interesting. Right. Anyway, uh, the cocktail is that pear liqueur, yeah. rhubarb bitters, and Ooh. and 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 cinnamon, and I shook it all up, mm. uh, and then put a bit of crumbled biscuit on the top. So it's like a, it's like, I it's see. Like a crumble. I bet that's uh, sunk to the bottom. I haven't got. No, it's floating. <laughs> is it? It looks horrible. It does actually. It yeah. looks like um, like old stagnant water, but. Mm. Ever looked in one? And you've got those little larvae yeah. of something that are like going. Ooh, ee, ooh, yeah. ee. But it, it tastes. It tastes like, really nice. It tastes really. Oh well, nice. that's all right. Maybe I'll drink out of a water butt. In I just case. don't have a don't have a name for it, so I might. I don't want to just call it like an apple and rhubarb crumble. Yeah. So. An appley water butt. I might call it a stagnant a water st- butt. Yeah. <laughs> a stagnant water butt. It's the sort of thing I'd buy in a really posh cocktail place. But like this place is called a stagnant water butt. How novel. Mm. Yeah. Oh, the bants. Um, oh God, that's so bants. Are you? Are, have you got a drink? What are you drinking? Is it yeah, wine? Yeah, man. Look at this. No, it's not. It's um. Do you remember I made us uh, a uh, gin and tonic with elderflower liqueur? Yeah. When you came to uh, the flat I was in in uh, North London, it's oh, that. Yeah. It's just that. I can't remember what I called it though. Oh, I can. Did we call it something like Always Sunny? But I just made that because Wimbledon's on. I was like, a gin and tonic's uh, very Wimbledon-y. Should we do a mystery? Yeah, okay, let's do a mystery. Uh, <laughs> uh, last week with Masood, we did the disappearance of Kiliki Sari. And this week, because uh, when, when you did your uh, off-piste, The Lady with the Ring, uh, you made up your own version of it. And I, you were actually closer to this mystery than you were to the lady <laughs> with the ring. Um, this is the this is the episode where someone lands on the Crash Bandicoot beach. And I um, <laughs> uh, I made a uh, I made this cocktail and I realised that I, I, I missed a great opportunity here because the the cinnamon, the apple, and the pear all make it taste like a donut. And I could have called it. Do you have many donuts left today? <laughs> Yay! Uh, so. Because you went so far down the bread route with the lady with the ring, I couldn't believe what I was hearing when I was listening back. Because knowing that this one was coming up again, voted for by Patreons, this, I see. Yeah, this is the cursed bread of Pont Saint Esprit. The cursed bread.
1951, uh, 15th of August, in Pont Saint-Esprit, which is in southern France, there was a mass poisoning and more than 250 people were involved. 50 people were ended up being interned in asylums and seven people died from it. Uh, oh, okay. Blimey. It was right. believed to have been caused by cursed bread. Mm. I'm excited for this. Because yeah. I really, like, oh, man, I love bread. If I could, <laughs> if I could, my diet would be get up in the morning Nice, uh, weak coffee with hazelnut syrup and double cream. That's my morning drink, like a a cartoon. And then I would just get a loaf of freshly baked white sourdough, lather it with Lurpak and just eat that slice by slice for the next couple of hours. Yeah, I think think bread bread and butter is underrated, you know? Yeah, man, what a good snack. Is Um, there a vegan Lurpak? Maybe. Um, I mean, there's vegan. We there's out? vegan spread, vegan butter. Well, not butter. But, yeah. You know, and 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 because uh, like I'm a sucker for lurpak. I'm afraid, vegan lurpak. No, I. Oh, yes, there oh. is. Well, I never. Right, um, Chris. I will try. Is this. that what you sent um, me for my birthday? <laughs> <laughs> I sent you um, a barrel of it. Dairy brand Arla has announced that a vegan version of Lurpak butter is on the horizon. Lurpak is one of the most famous but Let me see. It's just, oh, this is just an article about like, hey, vegan spreads exist, but it doesn't say when. Oh, 2024. 2024. I've got it to look forward to. Cool. I would do it. I cook uh, with all vegan you know, when I need an oil, it's always a vegan spread or oil. But when it comes to bread and butter, I am a sucker for me Lurpak. And well, I, I, uh, I think, I'll try the vegan version. I think you're right about uh, uh, about bread being great. I mean, like, yeah, you've got a lovely, yeah. lovely loaf of sourdough you get from the bakers. Oh, and stuff. Yeah, amazing. But I'm not, I'm not above, <laughs> I'm not above like thick sliced white bread for a sandwich. Sometimes, no, absolutely. You know, like, the softness oh, of that, yeah. and then. The, the filling of the peanut sandwich. butter oh. and cucumber sandwich. Oh. Mm. Marmite peanut Pe- butter, <laughs> I think, is unironically, I think it's mankind's greatest leap forward of the 21st century. I use that truffle marmite. Oh, yeah. And I use what's it called? The peanut butter I buy. I get in great big, enormous tubs. This is fascinating for the listeners. Sorry, we've got as far as. Oh, Pip. Uh, it's called Pip and Nut. Crunchy <laughs> peanut butter. And it's like all natural, no palm oil. You know. Do you have to stir it because it separates in the tub? Oh, yeah. It's annoying. And when you get to the bottom of it, it's like fucking clay. But whatever. Everyone and if you buy down. them if you buy them in sort of like in, in sort of bulk online, I, I I picture you having to stir it like a cauldron. <laughs> to ah, <laughs> Hubble Bubble Sandwich Trouble. <laughs> that was good podcast stuff. Where did we get to? Bread. That was it. Bread. Yeah, so it goes back to the Vichy government, actually. Uh, which will interest oh. you as a, as a Vichy feminist. Um, as a Vichy feminist myself, <laughs> as named by Graham Linehan, uh, the, my, one of my favourite writers up until about five years ago. Um, did you see he uh, called, just out, flat out called David Tennant a groomer? I'm like, why, yeah. is, why aren't there any legal repercussions of this? I mean... I know. I know, it's mental. So it was, it was during the Vichy government, the supply of grains from, you know, the, 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 the chain from fields to the mill, to the bakery, 
right? Yeah. It was directed by the government's grain control board, which was called oh. the uh, the ONIC. And what it did was it created a government monopoly on the sale of flour, which allowed the government a measure of control over wartime supply shortages. So the flour mm. would be purchased from directly from the ONIC, delivered to the baker for a set price. So the baker wouldn't mm. be able to have any say or control over the quality of the goods that the baker was buying to make their bread. Right. So at the, at the end of the war, and aren't you glad I chose this one for you, Suze? At the end of the war, the system was relaxed a little bit so that the bakers did have some choice over what flour they bought. Okay. But the ONIC retained its monopoly on interdepartmental exportation and importation, which meant the millers in the departments... <laughs> With more supply than demand. We'll get to the good stuff in a bit, I promise. With more supply <laughs> than demand, could sell the excess that they had back to the ONIC. Right. So what are the upshots of this? Well, it meant that the higher quality flour would be delivered to local bakers and the lower quality would be exported to other departments. And then those departments with net flour deficits, like... <laughs> uh, <laughs> The, uh, the, this is brilliant. I'm chuffed with this. The Guard Department, so G-A-R-D, it's the yeah. department in southern France. That's where Pont Saint-Esprit was located. And they would be supplied right. with lower quality flour. And that meant right. that those bakers wouldn't have any choice whatsoever in what flour they got. Okay. This is sounding, this is like the Phantom Menace. That's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is like the fan, this is a Phantom yeah. Menace of uh, Miss John the Rock's Yeah, you've, got, you've been waiting 16 years and then it goes a long, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away and then that fanfare comes in and you've got Star Wars and then the crawl happens and it goes, the supply of grains from field to mill to bakery was directed by the government's grain control. <laughs> and, and, um, and all the listeners are like, oh... They're like, I wish Suze would talk more about yeah. Wimbledon. Yeah, then you've got... <laughs> I'll tell you what, for every... Because uh, I, I imagine this is going to hot up in a minute. But for now, for every boring bread fact you give me, I'll give an exciting dressage fact. So yeah, there we go. That's now? a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you've got to do about okay. three, I think. But, um... Here's one now. Um, uh, Anki von Grunzfen, who uh, was Olympic champion on uh, Bonfire and Salonero had her top horse to take to the 2012 Olympics, but that horse got a light injury, which meant it couldn't compete at the 2012 Olympics. So she took Salonero again to the 2012 Olympics, aged 18. Isn't that amazing? And Thanks. he was still came in. the wasn't even a top horse. Came, she still came top 10 with him. He was that good. Uh, pretty pretty amazing stuff. So a uh, wow. couple more facts for you. Are there any, are there any, are there any dressage mysteries? <laughs> I wonder I if we could, could look into it. Yeah. We, yeah, could dress- we could do a dressage mystery. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, Chris, did you know that Carl Hester, who has ridden for the British team since the early 90s, one of our great riders, he actually is from a very regular background and learnt to ride on a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and how he ended up getting... He, and he got a job working for a riding school, just a basic riding school, which did riding for the disabled... Um, and he would secretly take one of the very basic ponies that was there to dressage competitions at weekends and uh, got noticed as a very, very great rider from that. And that's how he ended up 
riding I, British teams. Can I just say that I don't think you've ever promised this because you said as a little as a, as a little gag for every boring bread fact, I'm going to give you an amazing dressage fact, and I was like, yeah, as if there are any of those, and I've been interested in both. I've gone, wow. <laughs> Think of one more. I have one more fact for you. <laughs> until, um, until the 2012 Olympics, the best ever dressage individual finish was, I believe. Okay, no, I need to. I need to check this because because I'd hate to get it wrong. Um, <laughs> Are there any? Are, are there a lot of I think you'll find us in the dressage community? Oh my God, Chris! It's just like the Doctor Who community. Uh. There is a small subsection of it who is very loud, who all think it was better in the eighties, and it fucking wasn't. Um, <laughs> very few people think Doctor Who was better in the eighties. If they do think that, they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, uh, until the twenty twelve Olympics. Great Britain had never won an Olympic dressage medal and in the 2012 Olympics, double gold because of our incredible team of riders, none of which were born into money. I think that's a good fact. (laughs) That is a great fact. (laughs) Because we have, we certainly, we have three of the greatest dressage riders in the world. We're in Carl Hester, Charlotte Dujardin and Lottie Fry. And Lottie Fry is only... Uh, 27? Charlotte Dujardin's the same age as me. Carl Hester's in his 50s, but, like, he's brilliant. <laughs> so, don't worry about it, guys. Dressage is sewn up for the next several years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give me another bread fat, Chris. <laughs> well, let's continue. That's the background in, in, into the fact that there was low-quality flour being yes. uh, pumped, in, pumped into the area of Ponsan Esprit. Right. So, 16th of August, 1951, there were two two doctors in the town. And both of their practices were all of a sudden flooded with patients that had different food poisoning symptoms, nausea, vomiting, cold chills, and heat waves. Okay. And they got worse, these symptoms, to the point where people started... Uh, convulsing and hallucinating so okay. it got worse over the following day so about on a, on the week later the night of 24th of august a man died from it Jeez, but okay. not from the actual poisoning from the delirium it caused because he jumped from a second story window thinking that he was an aeroplane Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's like when we were taught about what LSD would do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly that. Yeah, yeah If yeah. you take LSD, um, you'll be like the woman who woke up from her LSD trip to find out she'd re- cut out her baby's heart and replaced it with a Coke can. I remember that one doing the rounds, and I guarantee it didn't <laughs> fucking happen. That, so, yeah, a man thought he was an aeroplane, jumped off a roof, died. Wow. Uh, secretary window and died. And then wow. um, an 11-year-old boy tried to strangle his mum, and it caused one of those two doctors to uh, name name this evening the uh, Night of the Apocalypse. I was going to say Night of the Long Loaves. <laughs> <laughs> night of the Apocalypse. That's very dramatic. It's two people. <laughs> yeah. There had been a little... Uh, so in the weeks leading up to it, a couple of villages near Pont-Saint-Esprit had reported right. outbreaks of food poisoning via the bread. Because at this point, on Sanisbury, it yeah. just had a load of people had food poisoning. Some went mad and some died. So they were like, "We don't sure. know what's causing it." But in the weeks preceding, there were some towns were like, "We've had an outbreak of food poisoning that we've linked back to to bread." Right. And then they were like, "Oh, the bread is made from the flour supplied by the mill of Maurice Malay in Saint Martin la Riviere." And even though those symptoms weren't as severe as they were in Pont Sanisbury that caused people to think maybe it's to do with the bread. Okay. Uh, uh, at a place called Isirak, 20 people reported cutaneous eruptions, diarrhoea, vomiting and headaches. Uh, What's a cutaneous eruption? Is that like poop comes out of your face? <laughs> uh, cutaneous is like through the skin. So like... Uh, poop comes out it- your skin. <laughs> I think it's probably more like hives, but <laughs> <laughs> nah, sounds like poop comes out your skin, mate. Yeah, you, yeah, you shit through your epidermis. Nah, oh, this um... sucks. <laughs> Imagine if that happened, you'd be like, oh great, oh, yeah. got poop coming out of my damn skin, mother. <laughs> and then, in one of the towns where this was happening, the town's baker. He was told by his clients, we think the bread is doing this to us. Um, Okay. uh, And so then he reported that his family, as well as himself, they were all suffering from the same afflictions. And then the baker was very quick to blame the flour, which he said Mm. was bad. It formed a sticky dough with acid fermentation and it made grey and sticky bread. So that was in a town called... I don't know if that's good or bad. So that was was in a town called Conno. And then right. another town, the town's mayor was alerted by one of the two bakers that the flour he'd received was grey and full of worms. And the uh. mayor, the mayor in this was a town called Saint Genis de Comala, and the, that that mayor banned the making of bread with that flour. Wow! I don't think you need. I don't think you need the mayor to ban it. To be honest, if you've got flour with worms in it, hey don't guys, think, don't use it. Please, don't, don't use it. I- 
I don't believe that this would cause you to piss piss out your skin and shit out your mouth and jump off a building. (laughs) I think weevils in flour, that'll be what it is, isn't it, would make maybe make the bread be like, it's not very nice, but I bet it doesn't actually harm you. So... We should all eat more weevils! (laughs) Are we ready for a dressage fact, by the way? (laughs) Well, well, in in one minute. I don't... Well, okay. I'll take I'll take offence to that because I don't think I've given you a boring <laughs> bread fact yet. Uh, I, I think all of these bread facts. No, have this been really has been brilliant. Actually. No, this has been brilliant. Um, actually, thank you. The so the mayor banned the making of bread with that flour and then referred the situation to the region's prefect as well as to the driver Ooh. that delivered the original flour. Now that yep. driver was a man named Jean Bousquet, and he sent the prefect a copy of a remark made to his employer, which was the Miller's new Union in Nîmes. Get that dressage fact ready. The notes, okay. said, that, <laughs> the notes said that almost every baker of uh, Centre de Bagnol has complained of the quality of the flour provided by Mr. Maillet, who was the, the, the miller. So following that incident right. at Connell, Jean Bosquet, the delivery driver, requested immediate written instructions from his employer regarding the situation. He was like, I ain't delivering this bread until you tell me exactly what to do. Uh, <laughs> okay. What do I do? What do I do with this flour? And so on the 13th of August, which you remember was three days before the outbreak in the serious outbreak in Pont Saint Esprit, he requested yes. that samples be taken to determine if the flour was contaminated. During this period, 42 bakers complained of the flour that had been delivered by Bousquet. Right. No, uh, what I want to tell you is there that the prefect of the area was aware of bad flour. D- dressage fact, please. Christopher Bartle in 1984 rode a horse called Wiley Trout that was uh, originally an event horse, which might not sound like, like, who cares that it was an event horse and ended in dressage. Horses that are top, top dressage horses are always bred as such, like you breed your dressage horse. Bread. Christopher Bartle was an event rider. We're on to bread. <laughs> Christopher <laughs> Bartle was an event rider. He bought Wiley Trout to be an event horse, and he was like, this horse is fucking good at dressage. He competed for Great Britain at the Olympics in 1984 and won- uh, came sixth individually, which was our highest ever finish. Cut to 2008, Laura Bechtelsteimer riding her horse, Mr. Al Harris, uh, stable name Alf, that she'd had since he was a little baby and who frequently would just fucking flat out bolt out of the arena because he was like, fuck this. She managed to get him to sixth place in the Beijing Olympics. So we had two sixth place individual finishers until the 2012 Olympics where we won gold with Charlotte Dujardin and Vallegro. Who else was there? Laura Bechtelsteimer, one more roll of the dice with Alf, age 17, bronze medal, doing her routine Aww. too, the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the circle of life? or Yeah, and all of them. Can't wait to be king. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata. Yeah, it was a medley of Lion King songs. She wow. got the bronze medal doing her freestyle to that, and it's worth a watch. With a 17-year-old Alf? With her 17-year-old horse Alf, and she was like, one more roll of the dice. Bronze medal. That's really hot. That's really heartwarming. Oh, it was so lovely, and she's great, man. She's such a good rider. She was born one day wow. before me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've still got one day to achieve as much as her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, 
the the flower was bad in the area, ultimately Fuck. leading to, up ultimately leading to the 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 mass poisoning in Ponsana Spree, uh, yeah. where pe- seven people died. Remember, so there there was then like a an investigation into what happened at Ponsana Spree. So okay. on the nineteenth of August, very. I think this is stupid, but let's see if you agree. The outbreak happened on the sixteenth, right? And at that point, nobody had died. It was just like a lot of severe food poisoning. Right. And it wasn't until the 19th, three days later, that they came to the conclusion that the bread was to blame when they already knew about the bad flour in the area. Why did they? T- why, did, why was it three days until they were like, maybe it's the bread? Yeah, uh, why was all, it? All patients interrogated had purchased their bread at the Brian Bakery in Pont-Saint-Esprit and then a family from the neighbouring village, four, four people from this family all fell ill and uh, they were all members who'd eaten bread from this bakery. Nobody who'd eaten bread from another bakery got ill. So then they were like, oh, this is the bread from this bakery. I and then on the 20th see. of August, And then on the 20th of August, the health service, uh, the prefecture, the prosecutor of the Republic and the police were notified. So it became a criminal investigation. Goodness me. Okay. So the, the, the bread was in trouble. So the, cop, the police... Inv- the cops, the French cops putting handcuffs on a baguette going, you are coming down the station with us. It does feel, <laughs> it does feel very uh, stereotypically French, this, this story. Arresting, yeah. some, arresting a baguette. The police investigation centred on uh, the second of three batches of bread made on the day of the 16th of August at this bakery. Fantastic. Now, have you got a dressage fact in the holster or... Do you need to reload? Yeah. Do you know what? I'd, I'd reload because... I think I do. I think the next sentence is incredibly boring. So when I've, do, when I've done this, you want, you, want to, you want to whip this dressage fact right out. Okay. So this, like, they, I don't know if this is a good dressage fact, but to me, this is interesting. So the second batch baked on the 16th of August was determined to be the bad batch. And because the flour composition of each batch varied... Having run out of flour during the preparation of the second batch, Briand borrowed flour from two other local bakers, Jossant and Falavey. And Briand's yeah. assistant stated that when he picked up the flour from Jossant, uh, the baker was away ill and that he took flour from his assistant in, as, instead. So both Briand and his assistant agreed that the first batch const- was constituted of the previous day's flour mixed with flour borrowed from Jossant. They disagreed on the second and third batches, but Brion stated that the second batch was made with Jossant's flour and the third with Falavey's flour. The assistant stated that both latter batches were made with a mix of the two. So that meant the police <laughs> interrogated a lot of the town's residents who gave inconsistent ratings of the tainted batch of flour. Some reported that the taste was perfectly normal, while others reported chemical smells, including the odour of gasoline and odour of bleach. And then some reported that the bread looked normal, while others said that its appearance was grey. Okay. Uh, perhaps you'd be interested in this. Um... One of our British team, Lottie Fry, she works for the Van Olsts, who are a family in uh, Holland, who in the Netherlands, who breed dressage horses. They have a, a very successful stud. Uh, their most successful stallion being Lord Leatherdale. Ooh. Uh, these stallions have bred a, 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 
a complete dynasty of wonderful dressage horses. Lottie Fry rides for Great Britain, but she rides Glamourdale, who is currently the world champion. Uh, she has been with him since he was a four-year-old. Uh, not the easiest horse in the world. They would never give away the ride because she is pretty much one of the top three riders in the world and she's currently world champion with that horse. They will be going to the Olympics. You don't have to ride a horse from your country to compete at the Olympics under your own flag. So she is riding a horse from Holland. They won't give away that ride because their, <laughs> this is not interesting, their priority is to have their horse get the best results it can get, not for it to be riding under the Netherlands flag. Well, so what I'm saying there is, uh, you said it's not interesting, but why why do I have follow-up questions? So, uh, <laughs> so is she it, also rode Everdale, um, another one of their horses in the last so Olympics? Is she is she riding a Dutch horse for Great Britain, yes. or is she a British person riding for the Netherlands? No, she is a British person right. riding a Dutch okay. horse for Great Britain, which is a I'm fucking sorry, relief. It's a fucking relief, guys, because I don't want... The Netherlands don't need any stronger a team. My God. Huh. Are they Not with Air Maze. Not with Air Maze on the team. Huh. Right. <laughs> Not with Adelinda. My God. Come on. Narrowly uh, beaten to the silver medal by Charlotte Dujardin, the British rider, in 2012. I don't think we need... I don't think we need her being joined by Lottie Fry and... Glamourdale in in 2024. No, no, no. Very strong team for I... 2024, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I might have to watch Dressage at the next Olympics. <laughs> if Why you not... do, I'll watch it with you and I'll be able to go, like, because John Robertson watched the Dressage with me at the last Olympics. And, you know, after about three horses, he went, I'm getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> if we do it, we should record it as a commentary. We should, we should. Um, but Break. I'm sorry. Enough of this. Enough of this horseplay. Enough, enough of this horseplay. Uh, <laughs> it's no joke. Uh... The 24th of August was the night of the apocalypse when uh, the 11 year old boy tried to strangle his mum and the man yep. jumped off the building thinking he was a plane. On the day before, there was an in- inquiry, uh, formal investigation, and Commissaire Georges Sigaud was tasked with finding the cause of the mass poisoning event. The tainted bread by Briand was made with four ingredients, obviously. Uh, flour, right. yeast, water and salt. All of those ingredients, but the flour could be discounted as the source of the ingredient. Of okay, the gotcha. Uh, that makes sense, the, I see that. The, the water came from a municipal source, uh, the same that supplied was the water supply for the rest of the village. Uh, the salt and the yeast uh, were from the same suppliers as all other bakers in the region. And subsequent testing on the yeast and the salt found no toxicity. Had to be the flour. Okay. And the investigation led Sigo to the flour distribution centre for the region in uh, Bagnol-sur-Sez. And Jean Bosquet, who he's come up before, chief of the distribution network, uh, who would deliver it all, uh, he said that since the end of July, the vast majority of the flour supply in the region was from two mills. One in Chantillon-sur-Andre and the other, right. the, mill, the, the mill of Maurice Maillet who we mentioned earlier, and then right. he had already been the subject of some complaints about the flower in the area, in the other villages. So, <laughs> Maurice Mayer was interrogated for hours, and he denied... It's of a flower. And he denied that he'd mixed rye into his flower, 
because instead he'd cut his flour with 2% of bean flour. Bean flour. So he ground so, up some beans. What have you yeah, so like yeah, they were like like bad drugs. What have you been cutting your flour with? This and, is um, ridiculous. But th- this was an unusual practice on Morris's behalf because owing to a shortage of wheat, the ONIC had mandated that rye flour had to be mixed in. But he denied mixing rye flour in, you know. Okay, uh, right. But in the in, in, in the VN department, rye was of good quality and it was more expensive than wheat. Oh, okay. Uh, but bean flour had been authorised by the ONIC as a legitimate replacement. So. I've never heard of bean flour suggesting that people go, I'm not using that. I think I think um, uh, I think bean flour is it's like in the same way that you know you can make almond almond flour. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can make sure. it from uh, you can make it from a dookie beans. You can make it from broad beans. Yeah. It just sounds like if you mixed water with it, it would be like wallpaper paste. But then regular flour is not so different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it becomes like a like a batter. But I am um, I'm enjoying flour, the one. I'm enjoying the like th- this being like a. I know I really want to go and see... I want to go and see Killers of the Flower Moon, but I want this to be Scorsese's next film. Um, <laughs> Born and Bread, it's called. This is an interrogation that lasts for hours. It's a criminal sure. investigation. And um, it, it soon came to light that the supply of grains to be milled for export was sometimes mixed with grains milled in an informal agreement called échangeism. Échangeism. Uh, oh, I'm on the change. Under this type of agreement... A farmer would bring a baker grain he'd grown himself in exchange for the bread that would be made from it. So it's sort of like free grain, free bread. Uh, right. And the baker would bring the grain to the miller. He'd mill it. The miller and the baker would each take a cut for the sale. And during the interrogation, Mayay, and I like to think that he was broken down by some really hard cops. Uh, he admitted that he'd made a deal with a baker named Guy who had brought in bags to be milled. And it was near right. the end of the season and the bags were filled with leftover grain that sometimes contained a high proportion of rye. Okay. But the rye wasn't the only problem with the flour. Because <laughs> you're dead right, Suze. The miller also noted the presence of weevils. Weevils! 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 Here we fucking go. to evil. The baker was concerned that he'd lose business if he refused the grain on the basis of quality. And even right. though the miller had noticed the low quality of the grains, he agreed to exchange the grain for a lower quantity of flour already milled from grain marked for export. So the lower quality grain was much lower than that of the grain for export. The miller thought it, that it would be possible to mix it all, reducing the overall quality of the flour. You got a dressage fact? Because I, I lost interest even... Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to need one, aren't I? Um... The thing is, um, yeah. basically, I'll, full disclosure, we put three choices for the Patreons to choose which mysteries <laughs> they do. Yeah. Right? I can't remember what the other two we put up were. Uh, yeah. And this, this one was by far and away the like a runaway winner. And actually, someone commented on it that said, yeah. I feel like we're being led to pick this one. Oh, really? And you were like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yes, exactly. I think they'd be more. I think they'd be more um, uh, intrigued by uh, like a dressage mystery, by the sound of this. Edward Gall, 
road for the people who owned Morland's Totalus, who changed the game in dressage when he burst onto the scene in about 2008-2009. Incredible stallion, broke the world record for dressage under Edward Gall, brilliant rider. They decided to sell the horse uh, to uh, a very rich family, the son of which is called Matthias Rath, who was not nearly the rider that Edward Gall was. They never got those results again with that horse. Edward Gall was heartbroken by this, but at the last Olympics, he went to the Olympics on a son of Totalas. Wow. Isn't that nice? Isn't yeah. that nice? These are all like nice little self-contained stories. These. But the thing with dressage is it's a little bit like tennis in that it's you're on your own. It's you and well, I mean, it's you and the horse, obviously, but you're, you're very much a single competitor. Uh, you're not having to work as part of a team with other people. Um, so there's a lot of very human stories in dressage of horses that have come back from, um, you know, being told, oh, that will never compete again and stuff like that. And yeah. riders who are like determined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we, we've done all of the, the boring investigation <laughs> into the, the flower, but what if I told you that there were arrests and a trial? The bread, the bread mysteries. It, it thickens. Uh, like a lot of academic sources think that naturally occurring ergot poisoning was the cause of the uh, epidemic. Ergot. Uh, it, it, uh, how are you with feet, Suze? Because I don't, like, if you Google it, you'll be shown a pretty awful picture of some feet. Mm-hmm. So ergotism is the effect of long-term ergot poisoning. It's like a f- fungal thing. Right. So you can get it through the ingestion of alkaloids produced by a certain type of fungus. Right. Uh, uh, and it's like, it's a purple club-headed fungus. It affects rye flour and other cereals, rye and other cereals. Um, right. And so if that, if, if, if the rye had been contaminated with ergot poisoning, then so too would the bread be. So a lot of people think it was I that. I see. I, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it would have to be cooked and still be dangerous. So Matt, that would be... Yes, that, it, it that, would still that would be, yeah, make yeah. sense, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the symptoms can be divided into convulsive system, uh, symptoms because remember some people were convulsing. And, yeah. Uh, others... So yeah, so you've got like painful seizures, spasms, diarrhea, uh, itching, mental effects, and uh, mania, and psychosis. Effects. Right. Uh, mania, psychosis, headaches, nausea, vomiting, um, and then you can also get gangrenous effects as well. So you can Ooh. En- end up with gangrene. Jeez, that's a lot. In it, so this feels like a some, lot. Gangrene so some people from, think it's from, that. from a delicious sit down on the table with a knife an entire loaf of bread and another knife for spreading and yeah, what for can the you get from pack. it fucking gangrene some people think that it was mercury poisoning uh, uh, mycotoxins uh, or mycotoxins I'm not a scientist um, <laughs> or, nitro- ni- or nitrogen trichloride could have been a, a thing but the um, uh, there were on August the 31st so one week after Night of the Apocalypse mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sigo, who was the commissaire he addressed the media and he announced the arrests of Maye the uh, uh, the Miller Maye. yeah and uh, and and Guy Bruyere who was the um, uh, the guy that Maye had made the the deal with the baker so Bruyere right. was the baker Maye was the Miller both were arrested 
for what was the charge? Do you want to have a guess what the charge was? Bredicide. <laughs> Both. At that, by this point, people had died, so it was involuntary manslaughter. And blimey! Uh, oh my god, I probably shouldn't have taken this so lightly. What was the year again? Uh, 1951. Ah, who gives a fuck? I like. So, uh, it, and involuntary injuries arising from their negligence in trade. <laughs> Rising, like bread. Are you going to get a um, uh, dressage fact ready here? Because Are you going to need one? Mundane. I figured we were out of dressage facts. Okay, oh, I'm going to oh, Okay, write. no, 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 it's fine. I'm, I'm, no, I, I I'm going to maybe... fucking get one for you. Don't you fucking I don't, I, worry about I don't, that. I don't, think this is, I don't think this is boring as such as it is sort of mundane, all right? so Okay, uh, right. Maillet and Bruyere were arrested for involuntary manslaughter and yep. involuntary injuries arising from their negligence in trading improper flour. Wow. Which is a, like, I'd, I'd lead with that and finish on the involuntary manslaughter. But that's... Well... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Build. I know, build, I do know build. what you mean. What are you in for? Uh, <laughs> uh, negligence in, in, in trading improper flour. <laughs> and this is in this is in post-war France as well. So, like, what... <laughs> You imagine you've lived this through the crazy. war, Nazi yeah. occupation, and then, and then sure. you have to make do. You have to make do because you're being fucked by the quality of the flour that's been provided, and then you get arrested well, for this. Yeah, what I will say is, I'd be less embarrassed about going down for it, and more embarrassed about what I'd been arrested for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, they weren't the only two arrests, by the way. For like more arrests were made. So uh, Andre right. Bertrand was an, was an employee of the Miller Mayer. He was arrested yep. but released on bail because he was the head of. He was released on bail because he was the head of a family of nine whose wife was about to give birth. Uh, Ooh. Uh, and then the owners of the bakery that Bruyere was employed at, Clotaire and Denise or Didier, their, their names, they were arrested okay. for infractions of fiscal legislation and of legislation governing wheat and flour. Mm. So. Well, did you know <laughs> that at the, uh, at the 2012 Olympics, there was a Japanese individual rider on his lovely horse Whisper, who, having ridden for many years and worked very hard at the, you know, on the outer levels but you know still respected within the sport but not widely known uh, a Japanese rider called Hiroshi Haketsu I think unexpectedly made it to the Olympics at 72 he was a 72 year old rider 72 on his on his in the 2020 in the 2012 Olympics. Olympics he and he just thought I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever make where's it where's he from the, Japan yeah, but where in Japan? Because if it was Nagasaki or Hiroshima, he was like, oh <laughs> like what? Shall I look that's it the up? only way that that's the only way that story could be even more heartwarming. I'm now he was slightly a, he worried. Was a, I got his name wrong. He was a survivor of Hiroshima and Hiroshi, Nagasaki. Hiroshi and So he went to the Olympics in the '60s as a show jumper, but he never ever thought he would, you know, be eight, but he's now 82. So yeah, 72. So 71, my apologies. 71, Japan finished ninth in the Team Grand Prix and he came 35th. Now, let me find out where he was born. Doesn't Hiro- say. What's his name? Hiroshi Hoketsu. Hoketsu with a K. Japanese equestrian. Yeah. Doesn't say where he was it born. Doesn't... Tokyo. Ah, who cares? <laughs> but he's 82, still going strong. 
probably won't go to the Olympics again. But they said to him, they interviewed him on the BBC at the time and they were like, wow. And that's when he was like, oh, I can't believe it. And um, they said, uh, will you be back for the next Olympics? And he went, I think his horse called Whisper. He said, I think Whisper will be too old by then. And they were kind of like... Whisper like, will be too old. <laughs> but it was really funny because they were like, no, don't say that. You'll be back. And he was like literally going, no, my horse will be too old. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, I know how this works. <laughs> they, were, they were kind of like, how, um, hey, you might be. <laughs> how old was Whisper? I, I focused Whisper totally on his age was, being in his early 70s. Whisper would have been about 15 or 16, so oh, just at the end of a peak of a dressage horse. Oh, how cool. I think, Whisper, I think Whisper's dead now. They 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 go on a lot longer now than they... <laughs> it's been 10 years, 12, 11 years since then. Um, they go on a lot longer than they used to dressage horses. They've got a lot more longevity in the sport. It tended to be that... 13, 14, they'd be like, oh, okay, they're a bit, they're, they're declining in their, you know, they get right. a bit stiff and it wouldn't make them as good at dressage because you'd be so loose. But now you see them at 18, 19, still going. <laughs> Two facts in one there. Yeah. Um, and I found, I found them all really interested. I'm so... really glad that you, the human element of dressage has interested you. <laughs> um you can tell by my reactions to be very genuine. Yeah, to be honest, like, oh, you haven't wow, just been like... Wow. Eh. Although you did respond in the WhatsApp group while I was giving one of the facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I responded in the WhatsApp group when you were you were uh, doing the build-up to one of them, admittedly. Okay. But I would, I'd cleared off an unread message from another I chat. See. And then I thought, while well, I've got WhatsApp open, I'll just write the dates in. But um, I was still listening. Yeah. So... Th- this is technically an unsolved mystery because while we know it was the flower and can determine which bakery it was from, we don't know what caused the actual flower to be bad. So uh, that's why I've said those different theories as to what it might be. Uh, so, like some have concluded that it was ergot, ergot fungus and then others have said it was like the um, uh, nitrogen trichlorides. And uh, some have said it's various other toxins. Mm-hmm. So, so the, uh, the, the 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 fungus that specifically would cause the uh, ergot poisoning, it produces alkaloids that are very structurally similar to uh, your friend and mine LSD. So ah, that makes it sound yums. like we take it regularly, but it's because we referenced <laughs> it at the beginning. Yes, exactly. I've never done LSD. In fact, I've never done even uh, a weed. Never even smoked a weed. <laughs> we uh, were walking the dogs earlier and there were pe- people just smoke it out and about now no one cares wow really they just couldn't give a shit mm. in uh, in Canada in uh, in Toronto they um, it's legal there's like weed shops fucking everywhere and um, the the comedy audiences it really affects them because like if you uh, think doing so they comedy they don't laugh as much yeah they're like uh, if you think doing comedy mm. in front of people who've at 8pm people might have had Two, yeah. two, maybe three drinks, they'll be buzzed. They might be a bit annoying, but they can still watch comedy. Think of people who've been, who are off their head on gummies. Annoying. It's, um, it's, uh, it's a little bit like when they put uh, audiences on sofas at gigs here. Yes, you're so right. Smoking a joint is like putting someone on a couch. <laughs> Couches kill comedy. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, 
Other investigations suggested mercury poisoning. Yeah. Uh, due to the fungicides that are used to treat the grain and the seeds. Yeah. Uh, this particular variation of contamination was thought maybe it was due to the presence of fluorescent strains on the outside of used empty flower bags returned to the distributor. Ah. It was sold as a red colorant as a safety measure to ensure right. that the seeds coated with it would only be used for planting. So maybe that got into some of them. Anyway, red it could colorant. be anything, you know. Yeah. In 1982, a researcher suggested that uh, a toxic fungus produced in grain silos could have been the reason for it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Stephen Kaplan is a historian who wrote a book in 2008 called Le Pan Modi, which translates as The Cursed Bread. He said <laughs> the poison might have, been, might have been caused by uh, nitrogen trichloride, to, which was used to artificially and, crucially, illegally bleach flour. Uh, okay. And then there was another. There was another book written about it, but this one was called "A Terrible Mistake." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and he that was written by an investigative journalist called Hank P. Alberelli Jr. And he says that the Special Operations Division of the CIA tested the use of LSD on the population of Pont Saint Esprit as part of its MKNAOMI biological warfare program in a field oh test called God. Project Span. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds far fetched and very conspiracy theory. And um, who'd have thought that this woman would have? Uh, you could have conspiracy theories about anything. Of course, there's a conspiracy yeah. theory about the cur- the curse spread. But according yep. to Arborelli, this was based on a CIA document held in the U.S. National Archives and another one supplied to the Rockefeller Commission in 1975, which investigated CIA activities. Oh, okay. Uh, the Daily Telegraph picked it up, France 24 and BBC News picked it up in 2009 okay. after, the, after a terrible mistake was published. Right. Um, but a lot of people have derided it going, what the fuck are you talking about, Alberelli? Well, it, yeah, I... Um, <laughs> Stephen Kaplan, who wrote the the Le Pan Modi a year earlier, he said that this would be clinically incoherent because LSD takes effect in just a few hours, whereas the inhabitants showed symptoms after 36 hours or more. And then said, furthermore, LSD does not cause you to shit yourself. (laughs) Well, I'd never heard this, yeah. Uh, I I imagine uh, cocaine makes you a bit diarrhoea-y. It it doesn't... uh, he said, furthermore, LSD does not cause the digestive ailments or the vegetative effects described by the townspeople. Um, ah. But this um, uh, this is all chronicled in a novel released this year called Cursed Bread by Sophie McIntyre. <laughs> Cursed Bread. It makes it sound like the bread's been, you know, like on Bake Off, they, um, they, they bake it into like a shape of like a face sometimes. Like, ah, they'll go like, oh, I need oh, yeah, my yeah, bread yeah, to yeah. look like a lion. But it ended up looking like Alistair Crowley. <laughs> Crowley. This is good. Um, uh, so that, that's, that's everything. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I went into far more detail with this than I normally would because I was fascinated by bread making and the distribution of grain and cereals in post-war France, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's worked well it's and and now you're fascinated by dressage <laughs> i want to know more i want to watch some actually. some more human dra- uh, i'll send you i'll send you a a, a great dressage r- freestyle routine uh that you'll see at the olympics next year and when it when it comes to the olympics you'll be like i don't really go in for uh, uh, sports myself but i can tell you guys to watch out for glamourdale 
I've seen the routine. And it's quite something. So I'll send you that and you'll be like, oh, I see. I stood up and cried when I saw it on my computer in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's a whole load of excitement there for me to tap into, you know? Yeah, this is going to be a thing. It's going to end up with like you, me and Masood going to regional dressage competitions and sitting there and going, yeah, yeah, to each other. Like, yeah, this is good. And then, and then when, it's, uh, when it's been streamed... <laughs> on, uh, uh, on what's it called clip my horse clip my um, horse and horse and country depending on the competition yeah, when, it's been, when it's been streamed on those we'll be taking our seats and the uh, commentator will be like oh, <laughs> trio there taking we've got uh, yeah we've got Mr on the rocks bringing the lighter side to dressage but not without knowledge Chris you'll be like, <laughs> you'll be like um, oh this is this is great that we've got Lottie Fry coming in here obviously Laura Fry rode with Carl Hester back in the early 90s and how wonderful that her daughter's carrying on the, and you'll be tearing up and we'll be like, oh, Chris, he always gets emotional when he thinks about, and they'll, um, wouldn't, wouldn't Laura be proud, you'll say? <laughs> they'll catch us, they'll catch us afterwards on whatever the dressage equivalent of the grid is. And then the microphone is like, a, it's like a horse's head. <laughs> <laughs> we like put it in front of people. Hey, hey, it's Daniel Craig. Hey, what did you think of that? And you'll be like, what a routine. How incredible. What t- what partnership those two have? He'll be saying about a woman and a horse. I first got into dressage when uh, me and Mark <laughs> Strong used to watch it between takes on uh, uh, sets of our <laughs> friends, friends in the in north. The north. <laughs> <laughs> me this and uh, me and me and Mark and uh, Gina Gina McKee used to really like it as well. Uh, <laughs> Gina loves it. Christopher Eggleston used to uh, used to get quite upset that we never invited him to our dressage watching parties. But, uh, <laughs> we didn't think we didn't think it was for him to be honest. And then it and then and then it just cuts to a talking head with Eggleston. He's like, I'm more of an eventing man. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can't wait for Zara Phillips' big comeback. <laughs> this is stupid. This is going to be her year. <laughs> I'm being very silly. So I don't know. Have we delighted them long enough, Chris? Should we go? I don't know, but that is that is the mystery of the cursed bread. We'll be back next week with another as for voted for by the patrons with all three of us, we hope. Yeah. But on the third of November, we yes. are doing a live show. Come along to that as part of the Cheerful Earful Comedy Festival. It will be at seven PM at the Princess Victoria in Shepherd's Bush. Tickets are available on the Cheerful Earful website. Well done, Chris. And if you're going yeah. to Edinburgh, come and see my show, Y Two K Woman which I thought made me sound like I might be a bit of a turf when I chose that title. And I've been a bit worried about it. But then I tweeted the poster saying, come and see Y2K Woman. And, and a transphobe replied, this is a man. So I don't think I'm in any danger of uh, in, in, enticing turfs. And if you're listening to this on the day it goes out, that show Y2K Woman will start in a matter of days. Yes. May even already have. So. 2nd of August to the 28th. To 27th of August, 3.45pm at the Underbelly Bristow Square. Come on down. There you go. And that's everything. Sweet. All right. Well then, Chris, all that, that leaves us to say is... <gasps> Bye. <laughs> I give that PF a 10. Dressage. PF is a move in dressage. Oh, Chris, you've got so much to discover about dressage. Mr.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 